welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And you guys, I am so excited for you to meet my guest, Rosie Acosta. She is a yoga and meditation teacher and a teacher trainer. She has incredible experience working with elite Olympic athletes, NFL champions, NBA all-stars, at-risk youth, Afghanistan veterans. And most recently, she is working on her book all about yoga and meditation. And what I love about this podcast is that she has a very shocking, surprising story and the tools that she uses now, yoga and meditation, really helped her bust through a lot of the different issues that she had growing up. And I think you guys are going to be really interested to hear uh, what those things were. And she gives us three different forms of meditation that we can do, even if you're that person that says, I can't even sit still for two minutes, you're going to be able to find something here. And I fell so in love with her voice and these meditations and just her style on this podcast that when we were done, I begged her to come back on to gift you guys a meditation down the road. So you're going to have to look for her name again coming soon so that you guys can have this amazing gift and tool of a permanent meditation on the earnyourhappy.com iTunes site. So you guys, I cannot wait for you to listen in this conversation because I truly, this woman is not only only just a beautiful teacher and instructor and really wants you to be able to have these tools for yourself and have them be usable and applicable. But I've gotten to sit down and spend some time with her and I can tell you that she is so wise and these tools work. So I'm excited for you to listen in and meet Rosie. Let's get started. Rosie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me on, Lori. I'm very excited. Okay, you guys, what you don't know is that we are like super warmed up and primed for you because I was just on Rosie's amazing podcast, um, Radically Loved, and that was so much fun. Thank you for having me on. And something else you don't know is uh, Rosie and her boyfriend, Tori, Chris and I recently yes. went to dinner with them and we just had the most epic evening. Like it was our <laughs> very first dinner um, that we'd ever had together. It was like our first date. And when you are with people who are just, you know, super like-minded and you guys are really interested in getting to know each other and really talking about the good stuff of life, you can just dive right in with questions like what scares you the most? <laughs> exactly. so I love that. We were just talking about that and we just had the most epic conversation. So Rosie, thank you yes. so much for being on here. Oh, thank Lori. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your podcast forever. So it's such a huge honor and privilege to be on here and to, you know, be a part of this amazing community. So thank you so much. Mm, you are so welcome. And I would love for you, for people who maybe don't, aren't familiar with your story, uh, if you could share a little bit about yourself and how you started doing what you do now. Oh, uh, of course. Uh, it's always a little awkward to talk about myself. So I hope that, you know, people are <laughs> a little kind in my uh, biography, a short version. Uh, I'm from East LA originally, born and raised. I was raised in an environment during a time in the 90s where, as a lot of people know, it was riddled with gang violence. I think when I read back the history of that time, there was something like maybe 450 to 500 different gangs wow. during this time, especially in the area where I, I grew up with my sister and, and my parents, my grandmother. 
uh, and my aunt, and we were constantly in fear. I mean, you're, I was raised in an environment where it was riddled just with fear and hearing gunshots and people getting into fights and, you know, neighbors, kids getting shot at. So, you know, kind of a little bit of a traumatic, traumatic upbringing. Um, but it's something that now, I mean, I'm, I'm really, truly grateful for the experience. But so I grew up in East LA, early nineties. I, uh, grew up and went to school within an eight mile radius of the hospital. I was born, uh, and went to college too. So I'm definitely LA native through and through. And, uh, I, I grew up, you know, having this sort of trauma in my life, but not really sort of recognizing it that it was not normal because I thought that everyone around me was, you know, dealing with a traumatic experience of some sort. I also grew up in an alcoholic uh, family, so I was really kind of surrounded by a lot of chaos, and which resulted as I grew older, my teenage years uh, later would show up in my life with anxiety and stress and being overweight and truly being in a place where I didn't really understand what the purpose of life was Mm. because I was just so unhappy and so just anxious and angry. I was so angry because that's just what I was around all the time. I was around people that were angry, people that were uh, in constant fear, people that were uh, constantly getting abused, and it was just kind of a traumatic thing. And then, as you know, as I got older, I couldn't figure out why I was having all these problems. I'm like, oh, I have to. My parents couldn't figure out why I was having panic attacks and why I had to go to the hospital all the time and why I was smoking pot all the time and why I was doing drugs and drinking with my friends and ditching school and being a bad child and getting arrested and, you know, Mm -hmm. like really becoming a product of my environment, you know. So during those formative years of being a teenager, my mother finally had it and she, well, I mean, to be completely honest with you, Lori, like I was court ordered to go to therapy. It wasn't like my parents, especially in a Latin household, the first thing that they were going to do was not send me to therapy. I got arrested. And so I had to go to court ordered anger management and go to therapy. And so I ended up going to this uh, court ordered therapy that actually ended up saving my life, really, because I had never actually faced all of the trauma that I had experienced in my entire life. And I started to really get asked questions about how I felt about certain things and where my fear and anxiety was coming from and um, exercises on how to talk to other people in, in our, you know, we, we also had a little community group that we went to and that my mom was kind of forced to be in because I was a minor And it really helped my relationship with my parents because with all of that comes a lot of anger and resentment, right, with your environment and why you're there. Mm. So as I continued during that time, my mom started to go to um, the Self-Realization Center, which is a Paramanza Yogananda uh, center where they, you know, teach about yoga and all these different types of modalities, meditation. It's kind of like... um, at that time, it was very new agey, and she was working in uh, at the children's hospital, and so it was close to her work. And I, I think she had gone to a service or something. She was probably having a breakdown because her like youngest daughter was going crazy, mm. so she was probably <laughs> looking for her own tools. <laughs> she was looking for her own tools to cope, and so I ended up going with her. And I remember feeling totally just hypnotized by what was happening in there. So this was kind of my introduction to yoga and meditation, which, which I'll get to. But um, I remember them leading us through a, through a breathing meditation uh, during a, a visit that we had one time. And it reminded me instantly of something that had happened when I was six years old. When I was six years old, I had experienced my first drive-by shooting, Mm. and I was able to uh, sort of uh, 
regulate myself by paying attention to the breath. Later, I would uh, learn this as mindful breathing, right? When I was six years old, I remember looking at my belly and just belly breathing. Like I'd see my, my belly go out and then I would exhale, my belly would go in and then my belly would go out. And so I was able to calm myself down because again, when you're in an environment like that, every, it's all normal. It's mm. everything is totally normal. So you're not, you don't know any better. And so, you know, cut back to being at the self-realization center, being guided through this meditation, there was this like instant fam familiarity to what I had done to calm me down. And then I associated that with creating uh, or, or getting a tool for, uh, you know, self-regulation to calm myself down when I would feel anxious. And so later on, that would show up again. And I didn't really do much with that. I went a couple more times, but it wasn't until my early, like late teens, early twenties, where I, I really decided to get healthy because at this point I was on medication. I was, uh, taking Xanax for anxiety. I was eating the McDonald's diet still, you know, every day. And, wanting to get healthy, wanting to create change, wanting to deal with this anxiety, wanting to deal with just the general unhappiness of the environment that I was in and, you know, getting ready to go to college. I, I know, I knew I needed change. I knew I needed to do something. And so a friend of mine had suggested, so I, I decided to get healthy. I, I talked to a friend of mine that was a personal trainer at the time. And he suggested that I sign up to run a marathon. And I'm like, I hate running. I don't <laughs> like to run. Like my body hurts, everything jiggles. And it's just like so <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, I don't like I feel like my body's getting jarred. And I just I did not like it. I'm like, I never ran as a child unless I was running away from something. Um, or like, someone in authority, most likely. Um, you know, what's awesome about that is that when people get to know me, they're like, what, you were this child. And I'm like, yes, I was. It's amazing. No, it's amazing. Um, like, I can't picture it, but I kind of can't like a can, piece though. of me kind of can. <laughs> so, so anyway, he, he suggested that I sign up, you know, to do the LA marathon and to try yoga. And I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of familiar with yoga because my mom would kind of go and do these things at the self-realization center. So I'll try it. So I signed up for my first marathon and I ran and instantly was like, Ooh, I like this feeling. Uh, the feeling is called endorphins mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> that weren't, uh, self-induced, you know, by like a drug or pot. Mm -hmm. And I, I quickly fell in love with it and I signed up for the marathon and I ran my first LA marathon with doing some yoga, you know, cross training at the time. And that was it. I was like, wow, this is my life. I, I have to do this, not run a marathon forever, but mm. I have to figure out how to create this, this thing that just happened I need to incorporate this into my life because it, it really, it feels so good. And so not soon after I did my first yoga teacher training, I started to go to yoga more. And, and even though like at that time, my early twenties, I wasn't really getting the whole yoga thing at this point, it was still calisthenics, right? It was just movement. It wasn't anything that really felt like it was integrating. And I would hear the things like, breathe with your body, get in touch with your inner self and just be present. And I'm like, no, I don't understand what you're saying that it's, it's so foreign to connect with my body. Like all I want to do is be outside of my body, especially with growing up the way I did. Right. That was kind of just the relation. So I continue to, to attend class and, and go to yoga uh, on Larchmont, actually the original center for yoga. Wow that later on would be the first place I started teaching, which is really cool. But, um, I, I started to practice more and more. And finally, one day it just clicked. We were going through a meditation and the teacher said something so, so poignant to me. And it, it stood out. She said, be comfortable, be comfortable with whatever comes up whether it's good or bad, just know that it's okay. Mm. So just be comfortable. And, and it just struck me so instantly, Lori, because I 
had always been trying to escape what came up, especially the things that didn't feel good because I, I spent most of my life not feeling good. Why would I let the not feeling good feelings come up? You know, so the minute that that happened, I realized that there was a lot more to this practice, right? So I ended up signing up for my first yoga teacher training and then I began to practice all the time. I started to go to college in the interim. I landed a, uh, a job as a hair salon manager for a multi-million dollar hair salon in West Hollywood in Beverly Hills, which is a separate story, but it's definitely part of my story. Um, it's a good story. It's a good story. <laughs> But I ended up actually uh, getting this really amazing job with um, this really incredible uh, artist, hairstylist with managing about 40 employees. And I was going to college full time. So it's like, basically, I had to figure out how to balance a life with going to school full time and working full time and then still trying to be a healthy person. So it's just, I was addicted to the chaos. I think that is really what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to utilize those tools during those, those early years of my twenties. And I continued my path in the health realm as, as a hobby, right? Like mm-hmm. I started to learn about nutrition. I did my first nutrition certification course, I got into eating healthy and I started to learn about organic foods because as a young Latino child, we didn't know what organic was. We thought it was a diet. There was no like healthy eating. You know, it's like we ate foods that were very fat laden and, you know, like a lot of meat, a lot of fried food and uh, eating a lot of McDonald's and fast foods and things that just weren't healthy, you know? So I started really dive into that. Uh, During the interim of working at the salon and learning all of these things, it was able to facilitate me doing trainings and kind of learning more about the things that I was really passionate about. That lasted a few years. And then I landed this job as an assistant, as a personal assistant to a health and wellness guru. And I thought to me, that was like, I made it. This is exactly what I want to be doing. All of this work that I've done in my early years, learning about nutrition, learning about yoga and meditation and all of these different modalities to healing. Now I get to use them working with somebody who, who, you know, uses transformation as a tool to change lives. I thought it was like the perfect opportunity And so, and it was, it was an incredible experience. Um, I did it for a handful of years. I learned a lot, but unfortunately for what was the desire that was burning within me, Mm. I, and you know this, Lori, it was just to, I just wanted more. I wanted to do more and I wanted to be the one doing the things. I wanted to be the one, you know, teaching the classes and I wanted to be the one working with people. And so, I ended up uh, quitting my job, which now that I work with people when we're doing coaching and things, I'm, I, that's always the advice I don't give. I'm like, you know, some people decide to do it. That's great. But I, I look at it now and it's the best decision I ever made. But, you know, it was a little bit um, impulsive. <laughs> I, I, I quit my job during a time uh, where the economy was not great. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the worst possible time to quit your job. Um, I was like, I quit. And Tori, my partner, boyfriend, the love of my life was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, okay. Like there was no dialogue. Obviously he, he knew that it was time for me to kind of begin to grow and to do the things that I wanted to do. And so the first thing I did was created a, a blog called Organic Mexican Girl. And she, I like to call her she because she was kind of like her own entity. (laughs) And my big thing after, you know, all the years that I'd spent studying and going through what I went through, I wanted to educate my Latin community about eating healthy and doing different things to move their bodies and educate them on self-development and different tools that they could gather to connect better with themselves because this is not something that is widely talked about in the Latin community. Even now it's gotten a lot better, but back then it was definitely a taboo subject. So I kind of created Organic Mexican Girl as this 
uh, place for people to go and get recipes and kind of get information and different tools that they could use and, and transform uh, recipes that are traditional, you know, like an enchilada plate or um, a, a really meat heavy stew, I would turn it into a vegan, delicious, hearty soup, you know, and it just gives people um, sort of different options. So that was really fun for a few years. I did that. And from that, um, I realized that that's, I wanted to do more, more teaching, you know, I wanted to, to do more yoga. And so I did a couple more yoga teacher trainings and then decided that this was my path. I wanted to use all of the tools from yoga, meditation, mindfulness, food, and coaching overall healthy living to create transformative tools for people to to use to transform their lives. And now, years later, I created Radically Loved, which um, is now my sort of vehicle to bring all of these same tools to the world. And there's a podcast I created to, again, share these tools. And there's uh, different things that I'm doing in the community. I went from starting as that confused, like, bad kid, you know, to now leading retreats and teaching workshops and getting to work with some really successful uh, NFL players, Olympians, uh, celebrities, uh, NBA all-stars, working with Afghan vets, working with the kid that I used to be. So working with at-risk youth, working with with all kinds of different people to bring all the things that I learned into tools that they can utilize uh, to, you know, live a, a, a more present, mindful life. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing because I... I love that you shared every, well, I know that you left out a lot of aspects of your journey too, but you shared so many aspects because people think it looks a certain way. And you know, what I picked up most on your journey is that it's just, you're picking up amazing knowledge and wisdom in all of these different places. Like whether it was a hair salon and what you learned from just hustling with all of these incredible people and what you needed more of, it's just, that's what the path looks like, right? Like, am I on course? Am I off course? Am I on course? Am I off course? So, and I know that some of the people you work with, we were, um, just kind of trying to pry to hear all of the amazing people that she works with. So (laughs) it's very exciting. Um, So what part of it, and I know that you do, you basically do all of it, you know, food, coaching, um, meditations, but yoga, what parts of it do you feel like, how do you know where to start people with? Like, what is, what is that, you know, if somebody's just listening in right now and they're like, I don't know where to even begin, what would you say? Well, I think that it's very important to assess the whole and that if if all the things I've learned of all the tools and workshops and mentors and teachers that I've worked with along the way, who I didn't even mention were key elements to me being where I'm at now, um, people that I could even say saved my life, really. Um, I think that people tend to forget that your life is holistic, right? So one of the things that I learned in, in nutrition school, or I went to, to IIN, they, they teach us about the primary foods and then secondary foods, right? So primary food is what really feeds you. It's the things that really fill your cup, right? So it's your relationships, your career, your hobbies, um, you know, the, the, your creativity, the, the way that you utilize your time in the kitchen, the, the time that you spend with your kids, you know, all of those things that really fill you up. Secondary food is the food that you eat, right? So secondary is, you know, you eat, you eat <laughs> fruits and vegetables, you're going to feel good. If you eat stuff that's really processed, you're probably not going to feel great. And that's just physiology, right? It's biology. It's the things that you're putting in. What you are is what you eat. And so I think initially what really helps me work with people is we look at the primary foods as like a circle of life. And you can look in in any area of your life and usually I ask people to fill out the areas that that they find most important, that they can utilize the most. And then you gauge it, 
from imagine like you're drawing a pie, right? So from the center of the pie out, you can rate it from like one to 10, one being not satisfied, 10 being completely satisfied. And you go in every area of your life and you begin to rate, you know, what, what you think your level of satisfaction is in each area. And then you look at the whole and you know that everything touches everything. So, so the reason why, you know, there's yoga, there's meditation, there's nutrition, there's just life coaching. It's all connected anyway. You know, it's all connected. So you have to be able to look at your life as, as a whole to, to be able to then identify the parts of your life that you want to look closer at. And so that, that really helps me. And I find that now mostly what I, what I focus my career now and, and everything that I'm doing is definitely geared more toward meditation, more towards yoga. And, I, and I'm a yoga teacher trainer. So, so mostly I, I'm working with a lot of te- people that want to become teachers, people that want to, you know, join a mentor program that maybe are already yoga teachers and don't really know where to go with it. Mm. Um, I, I work with people on an individual basis with the coaching, uh, utilizing modalities like meditation to dive deeper into the areas of their life that are causing the the reason why they're overeating. I mean, you and I, we've talked about this and it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. You know, we have to be able to identify the reasons why we do what we do. And so that's why I think it's, it's, it's kind of fun to be, to use all this whole toolbox of different things, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's really about that bio individuality, you know, like every single person is different. This person is going to resonate with yoga. This person is not, this person's going to resonate more with learning about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. This person might not, you know, this person just wants to know what to eat. They have no idea. They go to the grocery store. They're totally overwhelmed by all the green food. It's like, you said green, everything's green. Do I get everything that's green? It's like, no, (laughs) like, okay, well let's, let's actually choose things that you're going to eat that you're going to enjoy that you're not just going because you're, you know, just want to get it because it's green. I love that. I feel like we all instinctually kind of know where to start. Like for yeah. me, it was, if I don't move my body right now, like nothing, nothing else matters. Yeah. So your, your, your body's always speaking to you or wow, my, you know, if I don't clean up this food, I can't focus on anything else. Like I can't even look at my husband, not thinking he's an obstacle. Like, so clearly you're not going to focus on a relationship. You're going to focus on your food. So with that said, there's this space in between, right? Where you realize what it is that you need, but we go from this reactive place, like this place that it's our habit, what we're set on all of the, you know, just, this is what's easiest. This is what we know to where we need to find the place or learn how to create space in order to start choosing a different, uh, response. So I love that you do meditation. Um, because I think it really helps with that. What are some other, how do you think meditation and yoga really helps kind of slow that process down? Well, I think that it does just that. I think that what we need is really a a space to connect with a deeper part of ourself that's not obstructed with any narrative or any story or any obstacle. And so we utilize tools like yoga, which yoga, you know, yoga means to union. I mean, the root word of yoga means union. It means to unite body, mind, spirit, or space. So when we utilize these tools in a way to help shape or reframe our mind, it really creates a, a substantial shift and it creates that space that we need, right? So asana, yoga asana or the forms was really intended for us to, to move things around in our body that exist, right? So what is the saying? Our issues are in our tissues, right? So it's like our issues exist in our body. Our body has memory. So that trauma that I went through, Lori, was like in my body. Mm. And so the minute that I was, that I got on the mat and I started to move my body in ways and shapes and forms that I can actually breathe into parts that felt stuck, all of a sudden I was so blown away by the things that I, that were coming into my mind. I couldn't believe I, I was just floored by the thought there, the memory that just came in because your body remembers 
your body knows, you know, there's this, um, I don't know if this is actually a really great book. It's called, um, your, your body's, your body knows a story or, or, uh, your, the body knows, I think I, I should probably get that. I'll, I'll email it to you or I'll send you the link. I think I'm pretty sure it's called the body knows. I haven't read in so long, but notes once you do. Yeah. So, and, and it talks all about how our body logs, like literally logs everything. And so when we begin to move those things around, I mean, that's why exercise is so important. That's why exercise feels so good because we're literally exercising like an exorcism, right? Mm-hmm. We're literally exercising like all of that stuff out of our bodies. And then you seal it all in by using a meditation practice, you know, by really going into a, a state of mindful awareness where you're taking a deeper look at those parts of yourself that maybe aren't even uh, true, you know, like or a narrative or a story that isn't real or, or a trauma that you continue to replay in your mind that your body continues to relive. And so yoga and meditation, in my experience and with the people that I work with, has really shown me how how important and how pivotal it is to have a practice where you're actually mindfully creating that space so that you can really sort of look at at those parts of your life in 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 a way that can create change and make those those substantial shifts that we need Mm, amazing what do you find that you use the most or that you're it's like your most handy tool and what exactly do you do Oh man. So in the beginning it was, I was all about the yoga practice, right? I started practicing, uh, Ashtanga for a little bit. And if, for those people that are not familiar, this is, uh, a six, well, it's like a seven day a week, two hour practice that you do at the crack of dawn. And it's, basically a practice that was geared toward 12 year old Indian boys. And so it's very intense. It's very active and it's, it's incredible. I really, really enjoyed doing it. And then that's all I wanted to do. But what I found is during that time of my life, I was beginning to feel very manic and very sort of like I wanted there was a lot of things that needed to be done and I wanted to do a lot of them and so I realized then this is about the time I started studying with my teacher uh, yoga rupa Rod Stryker and I started to learn how when your body's out of balance you're going to crave more of the imbalance Mm. right so my body was completely needing the opposite my body needed to slow down. It needed to do more yin. It needed to do more restorative. It needed to do more meditation. And so I really attached myself to that idea. I gave it a chance because initially I was convinced that that was wrong, right? So that all these ancient rishis and yogis were wrong and I was right. So um, fortunately that, that was not the case because the minute that I slowed down, I I saw how deep of an effect it had. And so what I find really helps me now is just sitting for longer periods of time. And I find that now my practice is like 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes of movement, asana practice. I mean, I do like to work out. I mean, I do things to make me sweat because I do enjoy sweating. But as far as yoga and meditation is concerned as a tool for me to calm down, I definitely utilize meditation more than I do movement, you know, so I, I typically tend to meditate from anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, at least every day. That's a non-negotiable. Mm, awesome. So for all of our, I I'm obsessed with meditation. I really, really love it. I, yes. It's, it's constantly something that is going from a five minute practice to me. <laughs> For me it to works. like a 20 minute practice and it's all yeah. over the book. People are like, do you do it every day? I'm like, honestly, it's like anything else. Some days is so, I feel like it's so tough to fit in and you have busier yeah. parts of your life where you do not want to do it. And maybe I'll miss like three weeks in a row. And then I get right back to it because I know it's the thing that I truly need the most because I can yeah. tell when I don't have it, I start to 
not really be as present in my conversations. I start to feel really crazy and chaotic in my entire life. In the morning, it's like when I start to not enjoy my mornings at all, that's when I'm like, okay, you Mm. are totally hooked into your crazy brain process. Like you need to just train your brain to be still. And I think that's really why I'm, it's, it's one of the most beautiful practices. So I would love for you to share with people who maybe don't think that meditation is for them, maybe some reasons why you love it and what it does. And also, um, maybe an easy starting practice that can be fun. Oh, yes. So this is really, I mean, these are conversations that I have, um, that I have a lot because there's so many excuses I hear from people like, I don't have enough time and I can't get my mind empty. And you know what I I'm not, is this like a religious thing? You know, people sort of have all these different questions. And the first thing that I tell people is, especially the people that say that they don't have time or can't find time. I go right back to there's, 1,440 minutes in a day. Mm. It only takes four to five minutes to sit and just be mindful with your breath and be still and it will change your life. I mean, it increases gray matter right then. It, it begins to affect your mood, your your emotions, your reactivity, all of that. So the, the first thing I say to people that don't have quote unquote time. It's like, what is the Buddha or the Dalai Lama says, if you don't have time to meditate, then you have to meditate. Right. And then it's like, (laughs) if you don't have, and then if you don't have five minutes to meditate, then that means you have to meditate for an hour. Mm. Like that's, that's really, I mean, that says it all right then, Mm. you know, especially people that can't find the time. And so one of a couple of things I can tell people, um, on, on different levels of, of this question, people that are curious about meditation and don't really know what, what the big draw is, especially now I feel like there's, to me, I look at it, there's so many great tools out there. It's Headspace, there's Calm, there's Insight Timer, there's all kinds of different apps out there in the world that you can utilize to, to do this practice. I mean, aside from it creating a less stress it reduces pain, it creates less anxiety, it, it is like nature's happy pill, it, it really puts you in a, in a place of relaxed, present awareness, aside from, you know, all of those benefits, and I can go on and on, it's something that I think that we can really utilize as, as a community to make a difference in the world, you know, um, one of my favorite things about meditation is that we use it as a form of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like we, when we sit and we meditate, Lori, we're, we're quiet. Mm-hmm. We are rebelling against everything that's going on around us, the external environment and the internal environment, because we're utilizing this time and space to be present with something either greater than ourselves or something that we can just be in awe of, you know? So, the uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes is from the scripture. It's a yogic scripture called the Upanishads. And it says, happiness can only be known by a still mind. Mm. And so to me, when people ask me about meditation, my question's like, well, do you want to be happy? <laughs> do you want to you find happiness? Do you want to really feel what happiness is? then go be still. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to find that stillness and to really connect to that deeper part of yourself. So this goes into the question, and I'm talking about mindfulness as, as a way or, or using it as a, a skill for attention, right? So that we're in the present moment and for us to create a healthy relationship with oneself. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you tell people those things, it's kind of hard for people to say, oh, that doesn't sound like it's for me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it's for me. And so mm-hmm. when, when I talk to beginners about where to, to start or how to choose the right type of meditation, uh, I always like to give them three different ways, three different tools that they can use, right? So 
the first one is to begin with uh breathing, you know, mindful breathing, meditation on the breath. So this is a practice where you focus your attention on sensations of breathing, right? The next thing is doing a body scan. So this is something you can do either sitting or laying down. And it just requires us to focus on different parts of the body from head to toe. And I can go into depth in each of these that I'll give you. And the third one would be a loving kindness meditation. This is a, a practice designed to harness the positive feelings of love, of gratitude, of care, you know, any of those, those really strong feelings that are initially uh, cultivated internally, so towards yourself first, and then eventually you send them out into the world. Mm. And so typically those three are the ones that I, I think are, are really good you know, you go in easy, right? Mm -hmm. So um, how to do a mindfulness breathing meditation is one of the most basic ways to do it is to just find a comfortable seat um, where you're, you've set aside a, an allocated amount of time. So this is where a timer can come in really handy. And you can find a, a place where you're not going to be distracted and you can just, and you can do this anywhere. I mean, this can happen at home. This can happen, you know, in your car, not while you're driving when it's <laughs> yeah. parked. And, um, or you can do it at work. You know, you just sit, you can even allocate four to five minutes and just sit and you close your eyes. You bring your attention, your awareness to your breath. You can even incorporate a count. So maybe you inhale for four. And then you exhale for five. And then again, you inhale for four. And you exhale for five. And so by making the exhale longer than the inhale, it's going to trigger your parasympathetic nervous system, which we know is going to create a sensation of calm. Right. And then you can begin to disengage from whatever's happening in your mind. And focusing on your breath is actually giving your mind a job and it's giving it something to do because our mind is like, you know, like going crazy. You know, it's focusing on this. And if it's not focusing on the past, it's projecting into the future. It's thinking about a list. It's coming up with creative ideas. But when you give it a task like focusing on your breath, all of a sudden, something starts to shift whatever you're particular whatever you're particularly stressed out about all of a sudden becomes less and less mm -hmm. and you know what is the thing i think you maybe talked about this um during bliss while we were at uh, the bliss project um about how anger lives in our bodies for 90, 90 seconds or for just a certain amount of time. And after that, it just begins to dissipate, you know? So if you think about it, when you're able to just sit and be with your breath and breathe mindfully, all of a sudden those things just begin to become less and less. You become bigger than your problem. You become bigger than your stress. And those things just become less anchored into who you are. Um, the next one, body awareness, is a really great one to do as well. Uh, I like doing this one when you're laying down because it's kind of like a little bit of a glorified shavasana, right? Corpse pose at the end. <laughs> so you just you lay down and you take a few moments. And again, you just pay attention to your breath. You put yourself in a state of calm and ease. And then you can do a body scan from bottom to the top. So you feel the backs of your heels on the ground the backs of your legs, your seat, the middle of your back, your shoulders, your arms, the backs of your hands, the back of your head. You relax the back of your neck. You go all the way to the crown of the head. And then you take it back down from the crown, your upper back, upper arms, lower arms, back of your hands, your seat, the backs of your legs, your heels, and we move to the front of the body, the tops of your feet, tops of your legs, your hips, your belly, your chest, 
your throat relaxes, the muscles of your face relax, and the crown of your head releases. And then again, you go from top to bottom, crown, muscles of the face, your throat, chest, belly, arms, hips, legs, feet. And then you do that a few times and you allocate about 10, even 20 minutes and you cannot come out of that feeling tense. Mm-mm. I you literally know? just did it and I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I have a podcast to do. Oh, <laughs> more, more. So funny how good it can feel immediately to yeah. just drop in like that. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And what was the loving kindness? Uh, the loving kindness. So this is um, mostly it's known as um, uh, meta meditation. So I don't know if you've ever done meta meditation before. I haven't. It's also called meta bhavana. Um, and it's it's an incredible way. You know what, Lori? I think you'd really actually like this because – I'm like, I say that and then I'm like, it's the most confrontational of meditation. <laughs> then I then I'm sure I'd like it actually. <laughs> because it this is one where people so the first type of meditation, mindful breathing, is definitely for somebody that's just beginning, that's wanting to really just get a feel of of a relaxed present awareness. The second type of meditation, doing a body scan, is definitely for somebody that maybe has a really stressful life or even PTSD. I mean, this is really great for people that are suffering from trauma. Um, and they want to do this type of meditation where they can lay down and do this and they can do it for a little bit longer Mm. at the end of the day or in the beginning of the day. That's great. Any time of day is fine, you know, but just doing it where you can have a, a good chunk of time. Loving kindness meditation is definitely for people who are wanting to meditate with an intention or they need to utilize affirmation to maintain their awareness right Mm -hmm. so the meditation uses different words images and feelings to evoke this this sensation or the feeling of love and kindness right so what we want to do is cultivate these feelings of love and kindness towards ourselves first right so we utilize certain phrases and we begin to uh, set an intention and the phrases begin to act as a, a seed, like a seed that you're planting in your heart. Mm. And then as you continue the affirmations, you're watering the seed and then the seed begins to flourish, right? So do you want me to just walk you through how it yes. would work? Okay. Mm-hmm. So first we would, you know, begin in a comfortable position again, sitting up. If it's okay for people's backs to sit up or sit on a chair, that's totally fine. You know, people need to lay down to do it. That's fine too. Just be comfortable. That's like so important for people to be comfortable, right? Because if not, then it's, it's harder for you to be in that stillness. And so we can begin, utilize, maybe, uh, find a, 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 a place where you can block out about 10 to 15 minutes because that's typically what I find is the most beneficial using a loving kindness meditation in a, in a quiet place. So you begin to let your body relax. You can soften the areas around your heart. So you can let your heart be soft and you relax your throat and you let go of any plans or anything that you're wanting to do or anything that's just happened, you kind of just allow yourself to just be where you are. And you begin to breathe gently. And you just follow your thought patterns, you don't have to engage in thoughts, just be aware. And we begin first by creating a sensation of love for yourself, right? So in order for us to begin to send loving kindness out into the world, first we need to cultivate that loving kindness towards ourselves. So we begin by saying phrases like, may I be filled with love. And you inhale and then you exhale and then you recite, may I be safe from harm or may I be safe. And then may I be well, may I be healthy. And then may I be happy. So you continue these self-affirmations. And as you repeat the phrases, just picture yourself as you are now holding those images or holding 
that love in your heart. And as you continue to recite this, it's, it's as if you're watering that seed of love in your heart. You can picture yourself as you are now or as a young child or however you want to see yourself that brings you joy. You can adjust the words and the images any way you like. It really is to what you're most comfortable with. And so you can continue to repeat these phrases over and over and begin to feel them in your body and just feel the emotion or the feeling of giving yourself these positive affirmations or giving yourself these positive feelings of may I feel well, may I feel healthy, may I be happy, may I feel loved, may I be loved. And so becoming aware that sometimes these phrases may feel a little bit awkward or even mechanical is really important. So I do want to say that because Sometimes bringing those feelings of love and kindness towards ourselves can cause a little bit of irritation and even anger sometimes. And it's important for us to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that maybe you're saying this to yourself, but there's even a little bit of resistance, right? So that's kind of the confrontational bit is to be able to be okay with that, right? To just acknowledge with, with, love and kindness in your heart, just allowing whatever arises to be there. And so I say this to everyone, because this is something that I get a lot when I'm doing a workshop about this, or I'm teaching this, is people often come out of it saying, I was really angry or got really irritated because something was just happening. And then I didn't like what you were saying. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily what I was saying. It's what they were saying to themselves or maybe something that they were feeling. And, and I always like to acknowledge that, Lori, because it's so important for people to be okay with it. It's okay if you feel awkward telling yourself to be happy. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's hard for us to, to accept that. And so as we continue this, right, we, we get more familiar, we feel stronger and stronger in giving ourselves these positive vibes and positive affirmations of loving kindness towards ourselves. we can then from that point when we cultivate all that loving goodness we can then begin to expand it to everyone else mm -hmm. so after we focus on ourselves for about maybe five to ten minutes we can choose our uh, object or benefactor or, or someone who we really love or somebody who who needs healing or somebody that really means a lot to you or and if it's not someone it could be something or a place or a country you know it, it really can be anything that you you want to send all of this love that you just cultivated and then you begin to picture this person or this place and then you recite the same phrases you say may insert name here be filled with love may this person, you know, may, may all beings. So I'll say, may all beings be filled with love. May all beings be safe from harm. May all beings be healthy. May all beings everywhere be happy. Right. And so we start to really project that out into the world and let that image and feelings become the, the water that's that's watering that seed of love in your heart. And as it expands, then it expands out into the world. And, and that is, is, is the, the best type of meditation, I think, to continue to plant the seeds of, of love towards ourselves and love towards others and a great way to cultivate gratitude in our lives and to really begin to heal the world in a, in a positive way. And so in saying all of that, you know, when people come to me and are like, well, why should I do meditation? You know, um, <laughs> because you can really change the world. You really could. You know, there's people out there actually doing this. So mm. that is amazing. And if, if you guys felt any of the way that I felt, <laughs> literally, you were just putting me in such a relaxed state. And that's really that's what it's about. If we can come from, you know, we talk so much about set bliss and Tony Robbins talks about, it and so many people talk about it. If we can start and come from a beautiful state, whenever we're making decisions or be in a more calm state, your life 
will be completely different because yeah. the current state that majority of the world and that I used to make decisions from was a very chaotic lashing out. Mm. Um, nothing good is going to come from that. It's going to come right back. So we know what we're putting out is coming back. So why not put out a decision and a choice from this beautiful place that you create every single day? And I love, I loved that last, um, meditation that you just taught everybody and I guess I was doing things like that without even realizing it and they are my favorite yeah you are you are this is the same exact thing that you're doing yes I loved it and also I've used that for um forgiveness have you used something like that for forgiveness like picturing sending that to the person it doesn't Mm -hmm. always feel great at first but yes there's actually a really incredible um buddhist technique uh that that uh, is is used and it's all in the same um, in the same sort of vein of of creating you know love in your heart and disconnecting from attachment and using it for forgiveness. Um, I think it's called Tong Long. I can't actually remember exactly what it's called, but it's it's a it's a technique that I've done on a, on a retreat before with a, a Buddhist teacher. And it was so powerful. And that's, and it's exactly what that is, Lori. It's the same. It's just called something different, you know? Um, but that's exactly what it is. And it's quite profound, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really crazy. It's, it's amazing what you, it's, it's kind of the resistance of when you, you're saying the love, you know, to love yourself, if you're not in that place or saying certain, certain things to yourself, just watching that you want to resist it. But eventually when it, when you're able to send it to someone, it is the most, it is like mm-hmm. freedom. It is, yeah. It's the most beautiful thing. It's like, it all melts away. So where can we find all of this goodness? Because there are mm. going to be people like hungry for more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's, great people should be and and I think that there's you know tools everywhere and and people want to get more familiar with me and and what I do um it people can go to radicallyloved.com and um there's tons of information on there there's some download um meditations that people can do um they can ask me any questions I'm on social media a lot. I'm, I, I favor Instagram more than anything else. So it's at Rosie Acosta and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. So people can connect and find out more. And my podcast is called radically loved or radically loved radio. People could just, you know, search it and subscribe and you're on there. And I've got some really incredible guests on there. You know, I've got, uh, to talk to a, a friend of mine who is an incredible teacher and speaker as well, Mason Kip, uh, uh, Marissa uh, Pierce, um, Deepak Chopra is going to be on. You know, there's there's some really cool, great, incredible Lori Harder. Hello, <laughs> the best one of all. Um, she's going to be on there. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a great sort of forum that I created purely to just share this information and to talk to people and for people to utilize tools that are out in the world that they could get for free. So yeah, that's, that's, that's Amazing. it. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your gift and you truly are so gifted at what you do. And I just want to acknowledge you for all of the work and your journey and everything that you've done. And I just, I personally am a huge fan, so we're going to have to go to dinner soon. Um, but before you go, I always have a closing question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So if you are on a quick elevator ride with someone, it's literally like 30 seconds and they look over at you out of the blue and ask, how do I make myself happy? What do you say? Oh, how do I, you know what? I listen to your podcast and I know that you asked this question and it's like, (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like, it's the moment. What would I say? say and I'm not kidding I'm driving sometimes and I'm like I would say this in the elevator and literally <laughs> I'm like stopped right now um I would say close your eyes put your hands over your heart you need not look anywhere everything you need is right here Thank you so much for everything, for showing up as you do. And you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. 
Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.